0: Welcome to Pastors Confidential.
1: We're Michelle and Eric Waters.
0: Two pastors,
1: one podcast. So
0: here's what we're talking about today. Good morning.
1: Happy Halloween.
0: Happy Halloween.
1: Yes, it's Halloween Day on a Monday. Matthew yeah. woke up and was like, "Why do we have to have school on Halloween?"
0: Oh yeah. Well, that's that's <laughs> tough. But you know, we did have trunk or treat at our church yesterday, yes. so the kids have already got their uh, their, their appetites wetted already with some some candy. So. Yep. Yeah, so they're doing well. I think I think you know it's the the danger with Halloween is that the kids get all sugared up, and so my philosophy is kind of ramp them up into the high sugar phase. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's oh. what we're doing. We're working on that. I
1: thought you so. just said that was the danger of Halloween. Yeah, well, it was kind of. A oh, sarcastic. you mean ramp them up like right. start on Sunday, keep, right, keep going. Go. I right. get it. Oh, yeah. I don't think that works well, very it's, well. It's,
0: it's, it's, keep up with me, water uh, I
1: see. Yeah. Well, anyways, that's your that's always been your philosophy yes. about everything. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. Um, anyways, yes, it was Reformation Day as well at
0: church. Yeah, 505 years. So, actually, it would be 505 years ago today that the Reformation officially started. Okay. With Martin Luther n- nailing the 95 Theses to the door of the church in Wittenberg.
1: Mm-hmm. And of
0: course, he had no intention of starting a Reformation. He just wanted an academic debate. But things uh, kind of took off. You know, the 95 Theses were taken down from the door by someone, we don't know who. Mm-hmm. Uh, translated from Latin into German, and then they became uh, a viral sensation within weeks. Right, The 95 Theses were, were being read throughout Europe, and uh, there's no putting that genie back in the bottle. No. And then as things progressed, you know, Martin Luther's his initial, uh, his, his initial things that he wanted to talk about were fairly modest, and you know, he wanted to talk about the sacrament of penance and what it meant. Mm-hmm. But then the more the debate heated up, you know, as these things do, the more the debates heated up, the more... Uh, firmly entrenched both sides became. Um, and then finally, uh, within three to four years, uh, that's when the real Reformation break took place with Martin Luther standing before Charles V and being excommunicated. Wow. Uh, made an outlaw of the empire. So yeah, it all kind of began today, yeah, 505 began today. years ago today, which we celebrate by giving candy to strangers.
1: No, that's a separate thing. Oh. But anyways, that's kind of interesting the way you said it because you know we kind of think of our time as a time that we can't have open academic debate and everybody gets all polarized and stuff, mm-hmm. but apparently that was the case way back then.
0: Oh, absolutely. You know, as a matter of fact, these last eight years or so <coughs> have been really helpful for me as a, a Lutheran pastor because, you know, the, the the what's called the 16th century polemics. So the polemics of the early Reformation of the 1500s, mm-hmm. people were just so nasty and brutal to each hmm. other. And you think, well, why do they have to be like that? Well, now we live in an age where, yeah. you see, that's kind of how debate is, you know, whether it's a good or a bad thing. Uh, instead of reasoned, moderate debate, it's people just go at each other and call each other terrible names. So
1: and... do you think we've ever in a period of history where we had more reasoned, moderate debate?
0: Yeah, I'd say we're coming out of it. You know, it okay. seems to me that even especially when you look at American history, you mm-hmm. know, the first uh, 20, 30 years of um, the American Republic okay. were a time like this where people were just vicious and, uh, you know, the people owned the, the, the various... Uh, political parties owned their own media, owned their own church, um, sort of, uh, media instruments. Okay. And just wrote all kinds of terrible things about the others.
1: okay. Um, and then
0: it seems to me that after, I would, I would guess roughly after World War II, there was a period of about 40 years or so, 40, 50, well, 40 years, maybe 50 years, where there was kind of a, a, a moderated public ground, you know, hmm. the, the, idea of an establishment. Mm-hmm. Um, But then that's kind of collapsed. Really, Hmm,
1: very interesting. That's why you keep me around. I know. It's funny that I was the history major and I don't really know these things.
0: (laughs) Well, you were too busy chasing after boys.
1: (laughs) That is so not true. (laughs) Now you're spreading all sorts of false rumors about me. I chased after you. That's about it, isn't that right? Yeah, you did. Yes, but you know, so many people did. All right, whatever. Whatever. Okay. Uh Here we go. Let's move on. Okay, final thing about yesterday's service: the third graders got their Bibles, which yeah. is always a fun Sunday, and also the little preschoolers oh, sang yeah. the B I B L E song, yeah. which was very cute. That was
0: totally cute. Yeah. I love that. I love that kind of stuff. You know, I um, I'm in this, uh, I'm in various coaching networks, and one of them was, uh, one of them is a network where it's a non-denominational world, and so a lot of these churches are only twenty or thirty years old. Uh, and moreover, their model is they don't have kids in worship. You know, that yeah. they intentionally dismiss the kids. Right. the worship is just for the grown ups. Uh, and what I you know, what I love about a multi-generational model is you get it all. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've got the little preschoolers up there, you know, sing along and mm-hmm. you got the parents and you got the 90 year olds and yeah. it's all gathered in worship. Yep. I just I love it.
1: True, true. And they were pretty darn cute yeah. too. They true, true. Speaking of the ninety year olds, you you gotta keep coming to Saint John because we got like so many one hundred, we have four people that are a hundred right yeah, now. we yeah. we we had five and we just, we just lost, lost one. one. Yep. So something's in the water there.
0: Yeah, yeah, somethings good something good is in the mm-hmm. water there.
1: So. Okay. All right. well, anyways, we are just wrapping up, uh, I think two football seasons. Um, mm-hmm. uh, our son Johnny finished on Tuesday night. With a undefeated season, yeah. district champs two years yeah. in a row, no losses, which was awesome. Matthew finished up yesterday in the championship game. However, they didn't win. We had to drive two hours one way to get there and back. It was a long Saturday, but it was a good day. Yeah, it was they a, had a good They day. had a, mm, I wouldn't say a good game, but they...
0: Well, it, it was a good game. You know, I think the other team was clearly, a, yeah. it was the better team. Yep, at, they right? were. Uh, our frustration was the first time in my life ever seeing football in person. Um, the refs made a mistake with downs.
1: Oh, in person, you've yeah. never seen that. You've seen no, football I mean, in person like, quite a bit. Well, I've seen football <laughs> yeah. in person,
0: and but you know, you, uh, but but the refs made a mistake with downs. So it was third down. Yeah, uh, a penalty was called, and then they gave the team to the they gave mm-hmm. the ball to the other team. Oh, and the parents did not line. like it, right? And mm-hmm. we were, and no matter how much we tried to encourage the refs to reconsider <laughs> their call, they would not. do They it. would not. So.
1: Anyways, that's that. Okay. Yeah. Well, we are moving on to. Um, Everybody's
0: favorite book, Deuteronomy.
1: Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. But we should say neither of us were in class this week. Mm -hmm. I was at David's orchestra concert. um, Mm -hmm. And my son, David, who's a sophomore, he had orchestra concert. And you were at a pastor's retreat.
0: Yeah, and David's got a bunch of uh, orchestra concerts and a bunch of Germans hanging out. Yeah,
1: the Germans are in town. So he's been busy with Germans. So yeah, you haven't seen him on the, I guess, on the Facebook, etc. Because he's been with the German students who are in town after our students went there this summer. They're Mm -hmm. here now and so that is that so that's we weren't in class but we know what was talked about so we're going to talk about that
0: yeah so you know justin and i were up in uh, milwaukee wisconsin actually waukesha wisconsin where that terrible uh, um is that how you say that i thought it was Waukesha. Waukesha. no waukesha
1: Wow. i'm from up there i should know waukesha okay i think you might be wrong on that but anyways okay i'm going with it okay waukesha you were in waukesha
0: yeah and so we were at a uh, a conference for a retreat for interns and supervisors vicars and supervisors it was very good. You know, uh, three days we got to meet some of the other vicars and meet some of the other supervisors and kind of compare, you know, what are you doing in your setting? What are you doing in mine? That kind of stuff. And It was very good. Good. Very good.
1: Okay, so, so let's go get to it. We're already seven minutes okay. in here. Okay, right. so, so Book of Deuteronomy. Yeah, so anyways, the Book of Deuteronomy, she assigned, everyone was supposed to read 5, 6, and 11, correct? Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're going to touch on. Yep, so okay. we're touching
0: on those. So the book of Deuteronomy, I have three main points. And the first is this, that the book of Deuteronomy is really the hinge. It's the hinge which connects parts one and two of the Old Testament.
1: Okay.
0: So there's 39 books in the Old Testament. And together, they tell the story of approximately 1,500 years of history, approximately. Okay. Uh, and there, you can divide them into three parts. And so the first part is about the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, and then extending that into Joseph and Moses. But the first part is really the story about how God chooses a people, God makes a covenant with them, and then God leads them up out of, uh, out of Egypt. So that's really the first part. The second part uh, is the story of life in the Promised Land. So Joshua mm-hmm. leads the people into the Promised Land, and then you have the judges, and you've got King Saul and King David and all the kings, and then that ends with God uh, kicking his people out of the Promised Land because of their disobedience. And then the third part, the final part of the Old Testament, is the exile and return. So life exiled outside the promised land and then returning from the promised, from from exile back to the promised land. That's the third part of the Old Testament. And that's
1: way in the like, minor prophets, right? <coughs> yeah, that's
0: way in the minor prophets, but it's also the story of, uh, of Esther and Nehemiah Mm-kay. and those kind of things.
1: And the beginning of this section is, we call it the
0: conquest, right? Yes. Well, so the conquest is going to be next week. Okay. But my, my point is that the Book of Deuteronomy is really the hinge point okay. or the transition point between parts one and part two, mm-hmm. between the first uh, the first major section of the Old Testament, which is about uh, God's promises to the patriarchs, yep. and the second major part of the Old Testament, which is life in the Promised Land. Okay. Uh, And so we see that that what uh, Deuteronomy really connects these two. And so the chapter I wanted to read is chapter 7, and it's verses 6 through 9. So we hear this pretty loud. Chapter 7, verses 6 through 9. Moses is speaking, and he says to the people, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth, it was not because... You are more in number than any other people that the Lord has set his love upon you and chosen you because you are the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery from the Pharaoh, from Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord, your God, is the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him. So that's kind of the first part. And okay. We're looking back to what has been. Right. And then here we have what's coming up. Okay. Know therefore that the Lord your God is the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and who keep his commandments to a thousand generations. Mm. And he repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. So he will not be slack with the one who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Therefore, you shall be careful to do the commandments and the statutes and the rules that I command you this day.
1: Right, and that is what we get in the five, six, and 11 chapters that mm-hmm. we read, right? Pretty much a lot of this talk about being careful to obey, obey everything I've told you, exactly. that it may go well with you, that you may live right. long, et cetera, et so cetera. There,
0: there's this very, very strong, there's a couple of themes that come back again and again and again, obedience, being careful the land. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this tripartite phrase, um, the statutes, the rules, the ordinances. Remember a statute is describes a situation, uh, when an ox falls into a bank mm-hmm. you shall do thus and so, right? right a commandment is you shall or you shall not okay. and an ordinance has to do with a ritual law, you know uh, Don't yeah. eat a ham and cheese sandwich, right? Uh, so chapter 11 verse 1 talks about uh, keeping the commandments so chapter 11 verse 1 You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge his statutes his rules and his commandments always
1: Okay,
0: uh, and that's a key thing that you know the, there's all of these commandments that are listed and as I've often said, God's love language is obedience. Mm, you have, so yes, you how have. do you, you know, how do you show the Lord that you love him? Well, not simply by telling him, uh, and not simply by praising him, but also by doing what he tells you to do, mm, by keeping that's the hard his commandments. Mm-hmm. So God's love language is obedience. If you want uh, if you really want to tell God you love him, do what he says. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And then so going back to chapter five now, chapter five so god's love so it, we're setting this up right the hinge point between what has gone before what will follow after mm-hmm. and the, the important thing from here on out is to keep the commandments that's how god will know that you you love him by you keeping his commandments. Mm-hmm. and then here's why you want to keep the commandments so this is chapter 5 verse 31. so okay. our god has just given the ten commandments the people say we're too we're too frightened of this this is terrifying moses You go and you get the rest of the commandments and you bring them to us. Mm -hmm. Now God is speaking to Moses. And Moses says, um, and God says to Moses, go and say to them, return to your tents. But you, Moses, you stand here by me and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules Mm -hmm. that you shall teach the people that they may do them in the land that I'm giving them to possess. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left you shall walk in the way that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and that mm-hmm. it may go well with you mm-hmm. and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of uh, obedience to the commandments is tied up with the land. Right. That God is just about to bring them into the promised land itself, the land that he promised Abraham 430 years earlier. That's finally about to bring them into the promised land. And he says, here's the thing. If you keep my commandments, then you will be blessed in the promised land. You right. will possess it for many, many years. Right. Uh, and that obedience is tied not only to possessing the land, that is, you know, that your years may be long in the land the Lord your God has given to you, mm-hmm. uh, but also in the conquest of the land. So mm-hmm. this is chapter 11, verse 20. So God is talking about the uh, chapter 11, verse 20. Okay. God is talking about the commandments. He says, you shall remember them, right? Write the commandments on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, as long as the heavens are above the earth. For if you are careful to do all of this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God and walking in his ways and holding him fast, right? So commandment, how do you love God? By keeping his commandments. If you keep his commandments, you'll live in the land as long as the heavens are above the earth. But there's also this. And if you do these, if you obey the commandments, then the Lord will drive out all Mm -hmm. these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours. Your territory shall be from the wilderness to the Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, to the Western Sea. No one shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will lay the fear of you and the dread of you on all the land that you shall tread, just as he promised you." Hmm. And so this idea that by obeying God's commandments, uh, they will not only be able to conquer the promised land, which you remember know, is currently inhabited by other people, but that once in the promised land, they shall hold on to it from one generation to the next if they simply obey God's right. commandments. And then kind of the, the cherry on top of that is this uh, another idea of blessings and curses. So this is chapter 11, verse 26 see i'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse the blessing if you obey the commandments of the lord your god which i command you today and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of the lord your god but turn aside from the way that i'm commanding you today mm-hmm. and so those are kind of the three big things i wanted to hit about deuteronomy is that first deuteronomy is a, a transition or a hinge from part one of the old testament to part two. Mm-hmm. Second that the hinge, the the hinge really is obedience. Uh, By keeping the commandments, not only will you show love for God, but by keeping the commandments, you'll be able to live long in the land that God has given you. And third, that once in the land, if you continue to keep it, you'll be blessed. But if you disobey, well, then you'll be cursed and eventually you'll be thrown out of the land.
1: Which, of course, is what happens.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. But we'll get there. So in Deuteronomy, you have these two main themes of uh, obedience and the land. And the two of them are tied closely, closely together.
1: Okay. Well, what everybody going to be asking, or what you know, people with modern sensibilities mm-hmm. ask is, okay, well, this was a land the Lord loved. This was a people that he loved. Why did they get to go in and just take it from other people?
0: Yeah, it's a great commandment. It's it's very disturbing, you know, because God even says, let's see. It's a
1: great question. You meant not a great uh, commandment. Yes. Thank okay. you. Well, that's why I <laughs> well have it to was a commandment after. that he made, but yes.
0: Yeah, because God is pretty unequivocal about yeah. it. This is chapter 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, and clears away many nations before you, the Hittites, Gergeshites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, so on and so forth. When the Lord God gives them over to you and you defeat them, you must devote them to complete destruction. Mm-hmm. You shall show no mercy to them. You shall not intermarry them. You shall not have mercy, but you should completely destroy them. Right. Yeah, so what he's really calling for is what we would now call a genocide yeah. uh, upon these tribes that are there, which is highly disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's no getting around it. I mean, that's what God tells the people to mm-hmm. do. Now, we can moderate it somewhat. Uh, we can put boundaries around it by saying two things. One is that this is a commandment given to the nation of Israel for when they are to draw go into the promised land. Uh, so it's about conquering the promised land at one particular point of history. Okay. It, that is, it's not an ongoing commandment. Like uh, right. Muslims have the concept of jihad. Okay. That wherever you go, if people submit to Allah, then they are Muslims, if not, cut off their head. Okay. Uh, and that's this is not that. Right? Mm-hmm. Jihad is kind of unending conquest until the whole world is under okay. the sway of Allah. This is uh, given to a specific people, to that generation. Mm-hmm. And it's given for a particular place in the you know, the the square territory of the promised land.
1: Right. And, I mean, even further, if we we always have to read Scripture, like, in light of God's whole story and in light Mm -hmm. of his character. We know his character is not to destroy um, any that are righteous, right? Because, you know, Abraham got him talked down when he wanted to wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, he was like, if there's... Well, he did wipe it out, but Abraham Mm -hmm. was like, wait, if there's 10 people, if there's five, you know, and, and the Lord is like... There's no one righteous there, yeah. right? And so obviously we have to assume that in these that these cultures, and we know they celebrated like child sacrifice right. and all these other things, temple prostitution, so apparently the Lord saw fit to destroy it.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I mean, these were not, uh, you know, the old term used to be noble savages, which comes from uh, right. Rousseau, I think it was. Right. You know, these were not happy-go-lucky people just kind <laughs> of, you know, minding their own business. <laughs> Uh, but these these are horrible people, right? You know, they were they were sacrificing their own children. Mm-hmm. They were there's all kinds of sexual morality, right? I mean, all of these commandments that God gives about you know don't sleep with animals, which is that's why what they were doing
1: right. right exactly. So they were
0: not innocent people, right? right? There they were not innocent, uh, and so that, that's a second point. The first is that it's not an ongoing commandment just to kill anyone you want. Got it? It's it's limited to mm-hmm. conquering the promised land. Mm-hmm. Second, the people who were to be conquered were themselves guilty of horrible horrible crimes. Right. Um, it's, I suppose in a kind of a somewhat similar way, you know, uh, I, I remember reading stories about um, the settlement of the Ohio Valley and the settlement of Texas.
1: Of course, you've read stories of this. Of course, this. I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And the native tribes who were there, uh, you know, they they weren't innocent. Yeah. I mean, there were some terrible, terrible things that were going on in those native tribes. So it's not like they were they were innocent. Right. There were some horrible things that were happening. Mm-hmm. And then the third point. Uh, is that remember that God will do to His own people what He tells His people to do to the True. Canaanites? Right. So God says, if you disobey Me, I will bring all these curses upon you, mm-hmm. which is exactly what happens. Right. Um, so God is just. You know, He's He's not. Uh, he tells the Israelites to wipe out the Canaanites, but then when the Israelites fall into the same sins mm. that the Canaanites did, God sends the Babylonians against them. So okay. God is just.
1: Yes, exactly. Even to His own people. Yeah, he's got his ways, and we notice in the list, you know, we don't even have like the Moabites mm-hmm. because God had been merciful to Lot, and they came from his, his line. Later, they'll have problems, but right. you know, he's got his plan.
0: He's got his plans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's disturbing, but um, mm-hmm. but there's there's a reason for it.
1: Yeah. That's a happy note. I don't know if we yeah. end on that. It's well, not a very happy note to end on. What
0: could we end on? What could we end on? Well, what well we here, could, let's see. What we could say is that, um, in a, a modern day what what I many know. people mm-hmm. would see as a modern day miracle.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, is that you know the so God's people are exiled from the the promised land around five hundred twenty one mm-hmm. BC, uh, and then they're called back. You know, they're they're brought back into the promised land. They uh, live in the promised land until around hundred AD. I'm um, 70 AD, I'm sorry, when, when um, the Romans kicked them out, there's a rebellion. And then at, at around 130 AD, they're kicked out and they're never allowed to return again. And so for, you know, 18 centuries, God's people did not live in the promised mm-hmm. land until 1948, right? Uh, when the state of Israel was reconstituted. Mm-hmm. And for the first time in 19 centuries, God's people are living back in the promised land again. So you got to see some pro- providential hand in this.
1: Definitely. Yeah. I mean, because all that was miraculous, the yeah. way that took place. Okay, well, that is that is somewhat happy, but we can be better than that. So oh, let's right. end on the Shema, because that is mm-hmm. part of our reading was in Deuteronomy 5. And this is, um, well, what did they call I mean, it's their, what do we call it? It's the it's their, nutshell of the Old Testament yeah, right here, maybe? It's their daily confession. Yeah, their faith. daily confession. Yeah. Thank you. It's called the Shema in Hebrew. But anyways... It gives us advice as well for our own family. So it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children, talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Mm -hmm. Um, And these are just, this is just a point to make sure you're talking about this kind of stuff with your kids at home. This is one of the verses we always point to how important it is because they're getting a lot of different messages yeah. everywhere else. So to talk about the biblical message is good. And then I thought it was interesting too. Here it says, um, when he talks about when he goes into the land that he, um, that's the promised land, okay, it's a land with large, flourishing cities that you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyard and olive groves you did not plant. Then, when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the danger of our own culture, you know, because we have a lot, we have abundance. And in those cultures is when the Lord is forgotten.
0: Uh-huh. Well said. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, so uh, next week we're mm-hmm. going to be looking at Joshua, where God, where Joshua leads the people into the promised land. Mm-hmm. Start a part two.
1: Okay. Uh, and you will be teaching.
0: I'll yes, be teaching. Yes, you'll be back.
1: Okay. All right. Until then.